Cornerstone Podcast. This is the podcast where we share teachings, reflections, and updates on our church planting project in Makati City, Philippines. Our mission is to engage the city with the gospel, establish the people in the local church, and equip the church to serve the city and beyond. Hello everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Podcast. I am Abit Almanza, church planter and pastor of Cornerstone Reform Church Makati. Today, I'm excited to start another special podcast series called Gospel Immersion. This is a 10-episode podcast series which aims to help us understand the biblical gospel. It will help us communicate it to others and apply it in our daily life. So this is a hybrid course, meaning aside from listening to this podcast, we are encouraging people to join a weekly group discussion about the topic for the week. So if you signed up for the discussion group, thank you and welcome. But if you're just casually listening to this and you're not committing to join the discussion group, welcome too. I hope that you're getting something out of these episodes. Before we begin with the topic today, let me just give a brief overview of our journey together. The 10 weekly lessons for this course is structured this way. Lessons 1, 2, and 3 sort of functions like our framework and gives context of the whole course. We will learn the basis of our study, we will understand some of our false assumptions, and it will give a big picture look at the gospel. Lessons 4, 5, 6, and 7 essentially covers the meat of the course. This is where we get to immerse ourselves in the gospel message and its parts. And lessons 8, 9, and 10 serve as practical applications of what we learned. We want this course to be relevant and applicable to our context. And we need to know this structure so you would have an idea where we are at any point of our course. A few more things I wish to clarify about gospel immersion training, which I think is very important for all of us to understand. First, I want you to know that we are not introducing a new thing here. In fact, you should be concerned if I tell you that I'm introducing a new teaching. On the contrary, what we want is to go back to what the Bible teaches about the gospel. I want us to be aware of the cultural filters that we may have accumulated over the years. Second, this course obviously does not cover everything there is to know about the gospel. What I hope is that as you journey with us through this 10-week gospel immersion course, you will have the desire to know more and be more aware about the gospel in the context of a church community because this ought to be a shared experience. Third, the lessons we will go through together are not my inventions, nor is it coming from a personal opinion. I actually consulted a number of books related to our topic. These resources are from people who spent years studying the scriptures and are really gifted in teaching and writing this topic. 
and I will gladly point you towards these resources as we go along this training. What I did is to merely collect all these resources, making sure that they are consistent with what the Bible teaches, and I simply organize these resources in the way I feel will best serve the people under my care. Fourth, we do not claim ownership or exclusivity for the lessons covered here. That means you are free to use the form and content of this course. You can share it with your friends. You can share it with your family. You can copy it. You can modify it. You can improve on it. My only request is that when you do that, just keep in mind that this course was prepared for a specific context which may or may not be the same as yours. Other than that, I pray that Jesus may be exalted as you use this material elsewhere and that people will be drawn to him. Now, as we start, let me ask you to do this simple, short exercise. So now, I want you to get a piece of paper or maybe an open uh, a notepad on your mobile device. And using your notepad or your physical piece of paper, in three to four sentences, write down in your own words how you define the gospel. So again, in your own words, can you define what is the gospel? So don't overthink it just what comes to mind, and it doesn't even have to be a well-crafted sentence. It can just be a string of phrases that you associate the gospel with. And yes, you can pause this audio as you do that. Are you done? Okay, let me ask you some questions. First question. Where did you base your answer on? Where did you base your definition of the gospel? Did you base it on your experience? Does it look like your testimony? Did you get it from what uh, a preacher once said? Did it come from a social media post? Is it a paraphrase of your favorite Bible verse? Second question if a friend asks you to explain to him or her what the gospel is and your answer would be exactly what you just wrote now, what would be your friend's reaction? Would your friend be excited or offended? Would he be curious to know more or would he dismiss you as crazy? Would your friend understand your definition of the gospel? Third question. Read again what you just wrote. How did it make you feel when you were writing it? Does it sound like good news to you? In the words of Marie Kondo, does it spark joy? Does it bring you to a sense of gratitude? Last question, and this might put some of you on the spot. Did you actually write something? Or did you hesitate doing it? If you did, why did you hesitate? You see, our answers to these questions reflect the need for the gospel to be rightly understood based on a credible source. It ought to be clearly communicated to the people who need to hear it. 
And if the gospel is really good news, it should compel us to a sense of joy and comfort and gratitude. There will be a noticeable response because it's good news. And if it's really that important, it should not be difficult for us to write or talk about it, right? That's what we want to happen in these lessons. The point is not for all of us to have a standardized answer, like a slogan. But at the fundamental level, we should have a common basis for what the gospel is. And that common basis, that common source, is the Bible. And if the Bible is clear about its central message, we can be confident that we too can communicate it clearly to anyone. And because the Bible is clear and we can learn to communicate the gospel to others, it will have a radical implication with the way we live our lives. But pastor, why is there an urgency and need to understand the gospel today? Let me give you a couple of reasons. You know, some would say that all religions are basically the same in the sense that it's a set of belief system with the intent to make someone a good person. And I would say that is highly inaccurate. Christianity at its core is fundamentally different from all other religions of the world. And what sets Christianity apart is the unique message of the gospel. And my concern is more and more people, even those who claim to be Christians, believe that first statement that all religions, including Christianity, are basically the same. That is called religious pluralism. And I think part of the reason is because we do not understand the gospel clearly. Another reason, many social scientists describe and, and say that we now live in a VUCA world, V-U-C-A. It stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So the U.S. Army coined this term in the 90s, but I think it best describes our global environment today. And it has been intensified because of the pandemic. You know, volatile means things could change in a short period of time. Our world now is significantly different from what it looked like just five months ago, right? And uncertain means it's just describing situations in which events and outcomes are quite unpredictable. And when we say complex, it involves issues, factors that may get affected and difficult to change. That simply means problems, big or small, nowadays cannot be simply resolved by a single move. And ambiguous it simply means a lack of clarity and difficulty of understanding exactly what the situation is. You know, gender roles are being blurred. We see it in, even in politics and religion. Why am I saying this? Well, if that's how social scientists describe the world we live in today, then what kind of people will that produce? Well, to be direct, it's producing people without hope. Or at best, it's producing people whose hopes are anchored on something that is perishable. 
Simply put, people are dying either by disease, by natural causes, or sadly by their own hands. You know, suicide rates are increasing really fast. People are dying without hearing the hope that the gospel brings. In this volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world, what we need the most is the hope coming from the gospel message. And because that's what's happening around us, I feel there is a need for, for you and I to rightly understand the gospel, to rightly communicate the gospel, to rightly apply the gospel in our lives today. As I conclude this first lesson, let me share a Bible story. So you can find this story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. So this is the story of Jesus' resurrection. You know, in the modern Christian world, Easter is considered to be the most important celebration. Churches are packed during Easter. But in this first Easter, the mood and the scenario is quite different. Look at this. I'll read from verses 13 onwards. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. This is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Let me pause for a second. So you have two followers of Jesus clearly not excited with the recent developments. Obviously, they were expecting a different outcome. And I could imagine they might even think that the year or the months that they spent with this Jesus was a complete waste of time. If that's not enough, there's more to the story. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. You know, you can see a few problems here in this story. One, what they expected from the Messiah did not happen. They were expecting something from Jesus and 
in their minds and in their plans, that expectation was not met. Secondly, they received news that did not sound good news at all. It was for them very confusing. And third, the one that they were talking about, the one who was supposed to be dead for three days, is walking with them. And yet, they did not recognize him. My friends, these problems can happen and is happening in our world today. Many people are asking why God is not doing anything about this pandemic. That God is not doing what we expect Him to do. That if God is our Savior, why is He not saving us from this problem? And it's also possible that we have already heard the good news, but recent developments around you and in your life is clouding your judgment, and you've heard the good news and it it sounded confusing news to you. Because it's clouding your judgment, we cannot even recognize that Christ himself is walking with us through the most difficult, desperate, and darkest time of our life. But look at how Jesus responded to this. Verse 25, He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, meaning the Torah, and all the prophets, meaning the prophetic books, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. This is how Jesus addressed the problems. He addressed directly the source of their despair. It's because their hope was anchored on the wrong thing. The problem is not the situation. The problem is their heart. And to capture their hearts, he used the scripture. He explained the scripture to them in a way that no one has ever done before or since. That is to say that the scriptures are all about him, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And that is really a bold claim that we cannot take lightly. But he did not just stop there. It's not enough for people to just understand the scripture. Jesus must open their eyes to recognize him, and that's exactly what he did. Look at the reaction of the two. Verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn with us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Keep in mind, it's already evening and there's no public transportation at that time. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. 
My friends, this 10-week gospel immersion course is our road to Emmaus. I pray that by the end of our journey, our hearts will be burning as we study the scripture together, that our eyes will be opened to see that Jesus had been walking with us all along. And just like these two followers, we will find that urgency to tell everyone what we experience. You know, I hope this won't be just an intellectual exercise, but a life-changing experience for all of us. And with that, I want to close this lesson by praying for all of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you caused us to come together through this lesson in ways that we did not even imagine. We ask that as we journey together in understanding the gospel, that you would expose our hearts, that you would open our eyes, that you would bring us to a glorious appreciation of the good news. May our hearts be burning with joy and eagerness, knowing that you saved us despite our sinfulness, that you have called us when we were dead, that you have loved us while we were enemies. We entrust this gospel immersion in your hands, and may it bring fruit in all of us as you have planned for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. Cornerstone Makati is part of City to City Asia-Pacific Church Planting Network, and we hope to be part of a movement of healthy, gospel-centered churches planted all over the world. To know more about the church, visit our website www.crcmakati.ph.